right, hello everybody. Thank you again for joining us. This is our last session of the second day of the third annual Black Family Homeschool Educators and Scholars Virtual Teaching. I'm so glad that you're with us. Um, I know by now, you know who I am. Um, my name is Dr. Khadija Ali Coleman. And this time I won't be um, just doing an introduction. I'm gonna also um, be one of the co-panelists, but I did wanna introduce to you um, my wonderful co-panelist. Um, and as I pull up her bio to read, I would love for you all um, to share in the chat where you're from and tell us the ages of, of your children. So as we talk about homeschooling on a college pathway today, that we can have some context of who's, in, um, who's listening to this and maybe we can start to um, share some information that's relevant to you and speak to our own experiences based on when our children were the ages of your children. So first, let me introduce my co-panelist, um, Felicity Flukas Edwards. She says that folks know her as Fee, <laughs> is a homeschooling mother who currently homeschools a high school senior, class of 22, and she is co-founder of Scholarship Time with her two children, Zamaya and, Z and Zamira. Is it Zamira or Zamira? Zamira. Mm -hmm. Zamira. Zamaya and Zamira. <laughs> I love Z names. My middle name is Zakia. Zamaya and See? Zamira. Yes. <laughs> Scholarship Time is an online class platform to assist in finding funding for college. Homeschooling high school senior Zamaya has already received over half a million dollars in merit scholarship funding from colleges, universities offering free rides. During her panel, or this panel, um, Felicity is going to talk about how this feat was done and what credentials were needed while also explaining why looking for scholarships seems so hard. She looks forward to sharing with each of you why each student's way of finding scholarship funding will be a different journey. That's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Thank yeah, you. To you and your daughter. And so I am definitely not going to be weird and read my own bio, but I do, <laughs> do want to just say um, to, to folks that um, I am a homeschooling, well, I was a homeschooling mother um, uh, and I homeschooled off and on for 13 years. I graduated my daughter last year from our homeschool and she is currently a student at the University of San Francisco. Um, and she um, actually received um, over, over half a million dollars offers in scholarships as well, um, which was so exciting for her dad and I. Um, and she also was dual enrolled while she was homeschooling for high school. So while um, Felicity is definitely our expert on the panel when it comes to scholarships, I do want to, um, I'm not gonna go in depth. This is not a dual enrollment session, but I do wanna just mention it. And I will answer questions regarding dual enrollment because dual enrollment is when a, um, a, a student who's in grades P through 12, and they typically are high school students and some middle schoolers um, may be taking college courses while they're enrolled um, in high school or taking high, you, you, they're still a high school student. And my mm -hmm. daughter did that and um, was able to earn her associate's degree um, before she started at her university. And that is a large reason why she received so many um, offers for scholarships is because she had already had graduated. And the thing is, is because she finished um, through a dual enrollment program um, and she was still considered a first year student 
when she started college. And so that's a little bit of background that I want to give around dual enrollment. But again, this is not a session on dual enrollment. This is a session <laughs> on homeschooling on a college pathway. And so when we even talk about a college pathway, we're talking about um, we're recognizing the options that everyone who homeschools is not necessarily homeschooling because they want their child to go to college, right? That is true. Absolutely. Right. right. And right. so um, so I, I wanted to, I, I had shared with um, Felicity before she and I started that I did want to just do a little framing um, first to talk about or make some recommendations um, to clarify that we're talking about homeschooling on a college pathway, but that's not always what homeschooling families want for their children. That's not always what homeschooling children want for themselves, okay? Um, and so when you are even homeschooling um, a high schooler, you want to um, think about what are your intended outcomes that you all want. And a lot of people, I know that um, this is what we did in our home. And Felicity is going to talk about her homeschooling journey with both of her daughters. But we definitely had a conversation about what were those outcomes? And when we talk about outcomes, what are, what are the things a child is going to be able to do after we finish homesch homeschooling for high school, right? And so um, these are some things that some parents um, and, and, and their children come up with, you know, of course, want to improve critical thinking. Some want to develop a business. Some want um, to have the children themselves and the parents want for them to be able to um, have a set of skills where they're able to be self-sufficient, you know, being able to cook, being able to do their laundry, being able to engage in um, growing their own food, sewing, grooming themselves, all right? Um, uh -huh. <laughs> practicing self-care. Yes. Some, some even um, have... Uh, goals of patenting um, an invention, writing uh -huh. a book. Um, uh -huh. For those of you who partic participated in sessions with Jade um, and Jay yesterday, I, I, I told them they should do a podcast together. But Jay did, um, uh, has created a homeschool app and Jade's daughter has already been published before 13. Um, so awesome. all of these are, are kinds of things that you can do, you want to talk about and really in, engage your high schooler into what they you know what this pathway is going to look like for them in these four years. Um, and so with that in mind, um, I just want to do one frame before we start our conversation is thinking about the why of your homeschool practice. Um, the why of your homeschool practice should be clear to you and should inform your decisions in curating your child's learning experience. Please have a conversation with them. You may you may be on a um, homeschooling for high school, for a college pathway, but they mm -hmm. may not want to do that. So that you, really, you really need to have a conversation with them um, and, 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 and have that center what it is that you're doing with them. So I just wanted to give that context. Um, and then um, later after we have a conversation and, and towards the end, I do wanna also talk about some of my um, my research that I've done on So in addition to being a homeschooling mother, I also am a researcher and I, I um, interviewed um, black children who were also um, homeschooled and they were enrolled in community college. They were dual enrolled. Oh. And um, the, some of my research has shown the benefits and, and the role that we play. These, these are things that the children reported 
but the ways that their mother supported their ability to be prepared and what they um, believed prepared them for being successful in college. And I wanna end with that. And so I just, that's a little teaser um, before we start having this conversation about what the two of us did when we homeschooled <laughs> our children on a college pathway. So that's that's the framing and that's the the, the opening. So I would love for you, um, Fee, to, to start with, first of all, you have these two daughters. Tell us a little bit about how you started to homeschool and then how that homeschooling led to you beginning a business around scholarship um, scholarships not only for your children, but um, offering opportunities for other children. Okay, so my I have four kids total. My oldest kid actually want, didn't want to homeschool, so she went through the school system. Oh. My middle daughter started homeschooling in the sixth grade. And what made me start homeschooling her is that she was going to school and she would, she went from a straight A student to a C student. Oh, wow. And I was trying to figure out what was going on because she was such a, a good kid in school. Come to find out, it was too early for her. She was waking up at six o'clock. She had to be at school by seven o'clock. Math and reading was her first two classes. So those were the classes mm. she was spelling. So I started looking and besides stressing her out and overwhelming her, she mentioned that she wanted to homeschool. And then my sister and my sister-in-law was pushing homeschool. So when I started homeschooling her, I started realizing the difference of the brain activity. All of our brains cannot function at six o'clock in the morning, at seven o'clock in the morning. So her brain actually started kicking in around 10-ish. So when she first came home, I was on a school schedule because I didn't know any better. You have to unschool to school when you mm -hmm. homeschool. Mm -hmm. We really have to unschool everything that we was taught to, to be able to homeschool your kid. So I started waking her up around 10. I noticed a difference in her attitude. I noticed a difference in her demeanor and her character, and she just started excelling. And this is the one right now that is graduating this year. She's a homeschool senior. She's received over $600,000 in merit scholarship money, 25,000 in local grants and five full free rides. That's amazing. And, Where are you all based? In Maryland, she's in a Maryland homeschool too. kid. Yes, and we are in Maryland. Wonderful. And what you have to do with your kids is, and why I love homeschooling is, we should know by the second year what our kid wants to do, depending on the age. So for my parents on here that some said they have nine, five and 10 year olds, by the age of 12, you'll know if your kid is going the school route, if they're going the entrepreneur route, if they're going to go the YouTube route, we already know what our kids want to do by at least the age of 12 or 13. So right then and there is the time to start guiding them, not your route, their route. Because all kids do not want to go to college. So even though I have a program, I don't push college for all kids. I push mm -hmm. college for the kids that want it. I push mm -hmm. entre entrepreneurship, uh, YouTube. I push whatever it is that you want to do that can help you make money. You know, that that is no true words have been said because Lord knows that I have tried to push my child toward entrepreneurship. I have done everything possible to put in, in, in front of her the option of having her own business because, you know, I'm a hustler. I got I got three businesses always going on at once. This, this. And this child. No. <laughs> but you're exactly right, because mm -hmm. um, I've, I, I've known since she could read that she was a writer. It's exactly what you say. Mm -hmm. And she has been consistent. She's she'll be Good. 19 um next year. I mean next year, next month. 
um, no, in two months, in September, Lord, one child and I, I can't remember her birthday, <laughs> but, but you're right. Consistently writing has been her thing. And so you do know, and you know this when you observe them, right? Yes. Yes. So you watch your children pick up on what they want to do, not us, but them and cater to what they want to do. My mm -hmm. kids help me with the program, but I'm like you, I'm a hustler. I love entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Both of my kids want to want to go to college. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to do with entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. So they'll jump in and help out other kids, but mm -hmm. to really push it and focus on it, it's not them. Mm -hmm. Now, my youngest two children, I think my nine-year-old will go the direction I'm going, but she mm -hmm. still wants to be a doctor. She doesn't know which doctor. So we actually call her Dr. Makai. We've been calling her Dr. Mackay since she's been three because we're training in her head right now that if you want to be a doctor, you have to address yourself as a doctor. You have to think like a doctor. You have to study like one. You have to know what it is that's coming in the future. So her name in our household is Dr. Mackay. I love that. And, you know, it's a question in the in the chat on what if they don't know what direction they want to go. And I think um, that is where the interest comes in, where you're not necessarily, you know, because they may not know. I can tell you that my daughter said that she didn't want to go to college. She said that very early on, but she wanted to be a writer. And I know, you know, intellectually, I know that most likely you're going to have to, you know, if, if it's not college, it's going to be whether it's writing workshops, it's going to be mm -hmm. some additional education that's going to revolve around that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I focused on the interest. And that's why I think it's so important what you're saying is that um, you can kind of tell. It's, it's, it's a certain way. I mean, even when I think of, of myself now as an entre a social entrepreneur, I was that child selling lollipops and candy in school. Um, I, was, I was moving up to what the tier was going to be. Maybe it should be school supplies, right? Um, but those are the things that you pay attention to early mm -hmm. on and you can kind of get a sense of what that skill set is that the child has. I want to um, ask you, what was it? So the, the one child, I love that talking about the early, because you're a, ahead of the curve, because now it's, it's a lot of schools that are paying attention to what you're saying, mm -hmm. and what you knew that the school day is starting too early for, for teenagers, because their body rhythm not. is not attuned with, right. you know, starting that early. And I can tell you that my daughter also, um, as a homeschooler, would, would wake up later and it didn't bother me, gave me right. time in the morning. But what are some things where, did you notice differences between the two of your daughters? Was, was your next child the same as the daughter that broke up? Oh, I you broke froze. Up. I'm yes. sorry. I was asking. So your, your first daughter um, kind of introduced you to homeschooling and you started with her. With the second daughter that came after, were there differences in terms of what you needed to offer them as you began okay. to homeschool? Okay, so the first daughter stayed in, in um, private public school. Okay. The second daughter was the one that introduced me to it. So with the second daughter, she was my testing subject per se. Gotcha. So with the third daughter, she actually can get up around 6.30 or 7 o'clock. Her, her brain works better earlier yeah. and she can adjust to the day. However, my son learns better after 5 p.m. So at like five o'clock in the afternoon, so, and I, I know people probably think it's bad parenting, but my son can be up at 10.30 at night and we can be looking at science. Mm. We can be doing science projects. 
So it's funny to have three different children and three different age groups and all of their brains work differently. He retains more information at night than what he actually does during the day. So Mm -hmm. I let him sleep a lot throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that um, at a certain time, it could be, and I know some people, I could be, I can wake up at 12 o'clock at night. He could be sitting beside me. He's done woken up and he's reading himself a book in a different language. Yeah. It's it's just what he does. Right, right, right. I love how you just are attuned to how different they are and you are, yes. you're accommodating to those differences. That's so wonderful. So, so tell me a little bit about what went into um, the daughter with, um, on the college pathway, what went into recognizing her interests and then um, creating a homeschool um, learning experience for her that led to her wanting to go to college? Okay. So Zamaya has always wanted to go to college. She wants to be an FBI profiler. So this has been a dream for hers. Um, So since she wants to be an FBI profiler, she started being a, um, let me see, she joined the police explorer at around 12. Okay, so she became a lieutenant, a sergeant, and then a captain by the age of 16. Uh, She's a lifeguard because she wants to save lives. So she's been a lifeguard since the age of about 14 or 15, and she saved multiple lives. So Mm -hmm. I cater to everything about her wants to save a life. Anything, if she wants to be a firefighter, if people are running out, she wants to be the one running in. So now she's going to uh, firefighter classes starting in about three months. So once I realized that schooling was and that is what she wanted to do, I catered everything around her. Now, as far as schooling goes, we did the basic math, the basic read and the basic science, but we do schoolwork inside the house. But truth be told, majority of our work was done outside the home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just better and it's just more educational. Mm -hmm. Real life experiences also helped her as well. And volunteering very young with these organizations, with doctors and professionals Mm -hmm. and lawyers and judges, Mm -hmm. that was a lot of her tutoring and mentoring as well because she was put in that environment so young. Would you say that um, with everything being outside the home, that it was more self-directed? And so when it was yes. outside of the home, it was like she was part of a program or she was part of a, a class or something like or working with a mentor? Yes. So majority yeah. of the stuff I led or I'll put her with a mentor, a class and just anything that's going on that caters to her brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, how did how did we move to the scholarships was my oldest daughter who actually isn't was in public school was graduating and we had no money for college and she had a 2.5 GPA and I was just like stressed out so I started looking online and it was very hard and it was very complicated because there aren't a lot of scholarships for students with the 2.5 GPA which Mm -hmm. makes that student feel like they're not worthy of even going to a college or institution so it took me about a good year to study scholarships, how they work, what to do, what you need to do, how to master it, how to master the essay writing. And she ended up getting a full free ride at Bennett. They gave her a full free ride with a 2.5 GPA. HBCU in North Carolina, all girls school. Is it still all girls? It is, yes. (laughs) And then over the course of the years, I start studying different platforms for homeschool children and our children to make sure that a lot of other kids can get into college debt-free or very little debt. So when I say debt-free, I mean, I want you to go with paying anything, but you can do a 20-80, 80% they pay, 20% you pay, or a 90-10. So this is what I teach my students, or a 96-4. So those numbers do matter. 
Now, looking for scholarships is a hard job. It is a full-time job. It's not easy. You have to work extremely hard. Uh, people need to know the difference of merit scholarships, local scholarships, international scholarships, one-time scholarships, four-year scholarships, two-year scholarships, all this matter. Mm -hmm. I, I, I teach my students, do not chase one-time scholarships. That's a no for us. If college is $50,000 and we're chasing one-time scholarships for $50,000, that means we're in the same hole the next year. Right. So that's when we, so just so we can clarify for people, okay. when you say one-time scholarship, you're talking about a scholarship that only funds one year. What people yes. should be looking for is a multi-year scholarship, preferably okay. those who that are funding for at least um, eight semesters, which equals to about four years of a college year. Yes. yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I want, someone is asking a question again. I think she asked, what if a uh how about you crystal clear about what they want to do okay so I, I think you asked it twice do you want me to answer it well th this is actually someone who's following up on the first person and they're okay. asking what if the youth are not crystal clear so i i would love for i, I i'll give just what I will reiterate, my daughter did not, was not like um, Fee's child where she definitely wasn't a, a lifesaver. <laughs> like, I don't want to be throwing my child under the bus, but I, I mean, I don't even think of myself. I, I'm that person that I can get people to come and back up, but I'm not going to be the one doing the Heimlich or mouth to mouth, right? So let's just be real. Um, so, but, but I think what's important, um, Arioli, is that um, we are saying pay attention to their interests. My daughter yes, was adamant, yes. was adamant, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. eighth grade, ninth grade, she did not want to go to college. And mm -hmm. I did not take that as I don't want to go to college. She did not want to go to school anymore, school. And so yes. she, my daughter went to um, traditional school for seventh and eighth grade and asked oh. to, to, to be homeschooled. So I, I homeschooled her off and on throughout, right? So I had homeschooled her for um, part of elementary and she got into performing arts school for seventh and eighth. And then she was sick of it. And she was like, can you homeschool me again? And so her, to me, what I heard when she said she didn't want to go to college, that I'm sick of school because this will be the last four years I'm done. But, and I realized that was because she was not able to engage in the things that interest her. And so when high school, I, I made an agreement with her, it would be self-directed, you know, what, what are those things you wanna do? So she got to engage in music production and writing. Um, she's a plant whisperer in our house, all those things. And then when she no longer wanted to do co-ops, then we started doing the classes at the community college and that changed. So it so what I would say to Tanita and and Adioli is that it's not so much where you're paying attention. To, do I want to do college? You're paying attention to what their interests are. And what Fee is, I think, is brilliant because Fee has multiples. I have one child, but for you to be able to pay attention to the needs and the interests of each of your children, and then to craft this learning journey for each of them individual, that is very that sounds very arduous and, and time consuming. So can you give us an example of how you were able to balance with your different children? Because all of them are teenagers, right? No, uh, okay. 18, nine and seven. And then one was actually in public school. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Okay, so the son is not um, a teenager yet. Right, correct. Okay, okay. It's okay. Even, with, so with the younger ones, I believe it's harder. Um, the teenagers actually are more easier to me. The youngest ones is harder. 
it's not easy. It's a lot because each child I have to cater to differently. I can't instruct them the same. I can't teach them the same. I can't sit them all down at the table and say, do the same subjects. Right. I just can't. It's impossible right. to do. Right. Right. So um, originally I started off doing it that way. And then I realized that my daughter wasn't getting everything she needed because I had to focus more on my son. So I have different learning methods per child during different times of the day. Ah, can and you give it's us an example. Sure. So Zamaya, let's say Zamaya hates math. Um, that's her subject she just doesn't care for. So we might attack math probably around one or two-ish. Because remember, her brain fully wakes up at 10. About right. one o'clock, she's okay to attack it. So wow. we attack it and then we get on with the mentor and she attacks math with them as well. Cayenne, remember, I told you works at night, which is good for me. So around five or six PM. I can actually pull him in, but people normally think he doesn't do anything during the day. Actually, he watches nothing but educational channels, history channels, and science channels. I kid you not. I think the little boy is a brainiac during the day. That's wonderful. Since that's always on his TV, I don't worry about what he's watching because we're not on YouTube. We're not on um, Cartoon Network. The TV is always on something. So he'll come out the room and be like, yeah, mom, did you know a new species dinosaur came out? Yeah, they just found it. The bone, I don't know, but I'll go learn. So a lot of the time he's teaching me, my daughter needs the most attention. So very smart, very brilliant, but lack self-esteem. Yeah. So the, the lack of self-esteem is a big thing. You got to pay attention to that. Sometimes we think our kids don't want to do, it's not that. They yeah. lack the self-esteem. So right. since they lack the self-esteem, they're afraid to let it out. They're afraid to push it. They're afraid to be wrong. And as parents, right. they right. are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to realize that they're just children and we could be too hard on them. So with my daughter, I think I actually kind of gave her anxiety because I do wow. have OCD-ish and I do want you to get it right. And I do want you to be smart. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you gotta be one of the intelligent people in the room. And I do want you to speak well. So that gives her anxiety. She's not that kid who can go with this flow. So for me- minute, let, let, let me pause for a second. Cause okay. you've given us, you, you, jump, you dropping some jewels, Fee. <laughs> you basically- realize that you were stressing your child the heck out absolutely I gave my child anxiety and so what so what did you do as a parent because this is something that people don't talk about and um you know that is about I think all of this when we think of all the topics that we're talking about of this team this teaching it's really about the mindset of the parent what did what did you do to shift your mindset because first of all you sound very progressive letting your your little son your young son stay up you know you're not micromanaging him so what what did you do to yourself what self-talk what type of um, behavior modification did you do for yourself when you realized that you were stressing your daughter out so I I am a black parent who believes in therapy because growing up, therapy was not in my culture. Not, not all Blacks, but my culture. So I believe in therapy because I think kids young need to learn who to therapist to speak to so you don't speak to the friend to get bad advice. So three mm-hmm. times a year, my youngest children go to therapy. And she told the therapist how she was feeling. She never told me. She never expressed it. So the therapist said, okay, well, this is what's going on with Makai. Once the therapist brought it to my attention, I took a step back. I reassessed my behavior. I can act this way with Cayenne. I could do it with Samaya. I can't do it with my oldest daughter either. So I can't do it with Makai. So besides being more stri- strict and structured, 
I actually made majority of our activities into fun educational activities to where she didn't even know she was learning. How how did that make you feel? How we how how hard oh, was great. that for you? How how it, hard was that for you at first? Um, you know, honestly, it was easy mm. because I want you to get it and I want you to understand it. And you're the kid. Yeah, you, ha you haven't done anything wrong because your mama got an OCD problem. Right, right. That's your mama's job. I gotta check myself. Did you know and you had OCD before you started therapy? Before I've always known I had it, but I didn't know it was that 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 strenuous right. until she expressed what she was feeling because all the other kids can adjust. Right, right. So when you get this one kid and the same in school, when teachers say, oh, the kid's spelling, no, they might not be spelling. Mm -hmm. It just might be the way that you're teaching it to them. Mm -hmm. So she actually brings my silly side out. She mm -hmm. brings my goofy side out. She brings my happy side out. She mm -hmm. brings out so much in me that I honestly forgot I had because I have to learn how to cater to how she is. I think it's beautiful. I think that's beautiful too, Fee. And I think I commend you on not having to wait through a lot of your own personal issues to accept that feedback from someone that you love who's telling you that that what you thought was demonstrating care and concern was really causing stress for them. And so I think, mm -hmm. I think, and you know, I never thought that this was the direction our conversation will go to because, <laughs> but I think it's necessary. No, I oh, think it's so absolutely. important because this is, look, this age, people are so afraid to homeschool high schoolers because they don't want to ruin their children. Like when they're younger, you can do the fun things, right? But it's always that you might mm -hmm. be able to send them back to save them before you just mm -hmm. right? Because if you're still not really empowered in your homeschool practice, yes, then yes. it's not until high school when all of those fears crop up because there's no turning back. These are the last four years, right? It is. <laughs> and it's, so it's, I know, I know my my daughter was afraid of like she wanted to homeschool. But her concern was around math because she didn't feel that okay. she if she was on yeah. par with math, like she was, she's an excellent student. And it's so okay. funny because how you describe yourself is my daughter's a Virgo for anyone into astrology. I'm a Sagittarian. <laughs> so I'd be pressed, but she is a perfectionist. And so mm -hmm. it's like sometimes it's yo, chill out. And her dad is <laughs> so he and I are like the hippy dippy musicians, like chill out. Everything will be good. Have fun with it. And she's, and she's like, like, no, I need to know, you know, so mm -hmm. that's why community college was an option for us because I think, or, or for her, because I think it was something that gave her the sense that like my, my family's given me a lot of free reign in this yes. homeschooling thing. And at least if I'm taking some classes that, you know, it's something, some structure, because structure okay. is what she was still retaining from okay. um, traditional school. Okay. And so, so tell me a little bit about when you're, when you're final, like you're in the last year of homeschooling now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What, what has that journey how has that journey kind of changed from when it started for high school to where you are now in this last year? Because I know that it was not the same when we started uh -huh. from ninth grade yeah. as to what it, it ended up being those last two years. So uh, ninth grade was, I want to say ninth grade probably was our hardest year because you're transitioning from middle school to high school. And even though they're transitioning, sometimes they are not realizing that they're actually transitioning. Mm -hmm. um ninth grade year I brought on a lot of African-American history 
Uh, we did a lot of museums. We did a lot of soul searching. Mm-hmm. Okay. Searching for who you are, your personality. Mm-hmm. I did the basic schoolwork, but we honestly spent that year doing a lot of soul searching, mm-hmm. understanding who you are, who you want to be, what you want to do. Let's work on your self-esteem. Let's work on your beauty. Let's work on your confidence. Let's work on you telling yourself, I got this. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I am Felicity's daughter is what I teach my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's a big factor. And I get the schooling part is great, but that's a part that we miss because we're so busy working and you just get your kids up and you send them to school and you assume they get it. But you don't realize what's going on online. You don't realize the little girl that's just so much prettier and she gets all the attention and you feel like because you're maybe dark skinner and your hair is like mine, that 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 is problems. Self-worth for your high schooler is important. Mm -hmm. So we did our math, we did our reading, we did the science, we did the basic, but we had to in tune with who you are, Mm -hmm. what makes you comfortable? How do you want to speak? What do you want to speak? Who do you want to speak to? We went on the whole sex ed thing, which she thought it was the weirdest thing. Mom, you're just so weird. Okay. (laughs) So we did the sex ed. And we did the diseases and, and um, not having kids. We, we did the keeping your virginity. Mm-hmm. So the beauty I like about homeschooling is math, reading, and writing is never going to leave. Mm-hmm. Self-esteem has to be taught. Mm-hmm. Self-worth has to be taught. What you feed your brain has to be taught. Math, reading, and writing will stay around to the day we die. Mm-hmm. But what they take in that ninth and 10th grade year becomes who they are by the 12th grade year. So well our said. ninth grade year was hard. And well, I, I, I still want you to get to the, the last year, but I do want to just affirm what you're saying um, in terms of it, it resonated, you know, because that was, I, I feel like it's still ongoing. Um, it is. But, but I, I do have a question. So did you notice that there were things that came up during that ninth and 10th grade year that um, have been taught to them or that they had held on to or learned from being in traditional school that not only not until you you began to homeschool you realize what the small traumas were or um what, what do we call them microaggressions that they mm-hmm. encountered when they were in traditional school spaces mm-hmm. so definitely I want to say her started at eight um so it followed her up until about 10th grade 10th grade and a half maybe mm-hmm. is when I got rid of it that mm-hmm. pressure, that stress, that thinking that um, I have to study this and get this at this time frame because I know I have a test to take. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that actually stuck with her until about 10th grade. Mm-hmm. It maybe shook off probably about the half of year of the 10th grade, mm-hmm. but that's actually traumatizing to students. Yeah, yeah. I know that people don't want to hear it, but mm-hmm. it really is traumatizing. And it, it just, it does, a, it does mental work on them. Mm-hmm. So where I- they are, go ahead. No, no, no. I, 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 I would actually say to anyone who's in the session now who is um, beginning homeschooling, so your children have been in traditional school at some point, it, it hasn't been consistent homeschooling for them their entire P through 12 experience, I would definitely recommend having these conversations with them. I learned so many things from my uh-huh. daughter 
that I had no idea had been mm-hmm. her experience. Mm-hmm. Just in those two years, returning mm-hmm. back to middle school. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not funny. It's, it's actually quite sad. Um, that yes. One of the times I learned something new, it was um, year before last, the first teaching that she was telling me something that I never even knew had transpired in, um, in middle school. She would wear hair wraps to school and um, they changed the rule or enforced the rule not to wear head wraps because um, she had started wearing them and her friend group they all started wanting to wear head head wraps and it became a thing where now it was this rule that you couldn't wear head wraps anymore um and just a lot of just the body shaming that was happening in middle school she had locks before she took out combed out her locks um folks um stuff like that we heard as when we were children african booty scratching like the most ignorant Uh descriptions and insults um Uh people making fun of her or um, about her skin complexion um, and, and comparing them to me, all of these mm-hmm. awful things that I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just want you to know that everything that Fee's saying, like, this is not optional. This is mandatory because that self-esteem is yes. going to imprint everything you do with them. And you think that you, you're having a moody teen who doesn't want to do math. And it's just because they have, they hate math. That's and then the case. you realize that it's this whole bag of negative energy and trauma that mm-hmm. they, they are carrying that you may not even know about because you just haven't made space to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. You hit it. You hit it. And it's so sad. And it's, and it's scary because we went through that schooling system, right? Yeah, it's it's traumatizing. Right, right. It Um, really is. Yeah, Ebony says it can be even more intense if your kids have ADHD, ADD. Um, We're learning to unlearn this pressure as well. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing it. So um, tell me, so tell me how that experience starting high school began to change or evolve when you got to your later two years. So the last two years have been a breeze. Um, I, I think I enjoy this too much. And I honestly, <laughs> en- I enjoy having more kids that do it. So um, probably about 10, 10, y'all, about 11th grade, she kind of came into who she was. She started enjoying her darker skin. She started wearing her bush. She started feeling confident. Um, she's always been intelligent and she's always spoken well, but she started speaking in public. Uh, she started leading groups. She started teaching other kids. Now, when it comes to academics, she always has been on point with that. So she's not a kid who struggles, but she struggles real bad in math. Mm. Now, 11th grade was a breeze. 12th grade was not so much of a breeze because she knows almost everything. So now she's bored. <laughs> so because we've done so much throughout right. the year. So we homeschool all year. So mm. we homeschool during the summertime. Because what does that look like? Because you said that you say your homeschooling isn't traditional, that you all are outside the house a lot. So when right. you say you homeschool all year, what does that look like? So during the summertime, we stay down D.C. Like D.C. is our main hub because we are from Maryland. So right. we're down there at the museums. We're down there at the parks. We're down there at anything that's going on in D.C. We're homeschooling, but we're not book homeschooling. Right. So we're learning information that goes around us and I'm challenging the brain. So you still got spoiled. We're spoiled in this area. We are so we are. (laughs) You got to take your Spanish classes. You got to do your math apps. So all these apps, you still have to complete all day, but we do homeschool all year. Now for my senior, 
because school kind of ended early for her because she technically was done in the 11th grade per the school system. Mm -hmm. She maxed out the credit. She has over the amount of credits that was needed. So for her, she actually started looking into scholarships Mm. her junior year. And we actually worked almost her whole senior year on scholarships, applications, processes, and maybe taking three or four classes like on Harvard, University of Maryland, taking some college classes, and then we mastered her resume. So technically, she was really done high school in the 11th grade. And this is the one that was still in in traditional school? No, this is the one who homeschools. Oh, the one that's about to graduate this year? Yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So she started hers. um, So right now, that's why I think she received over $600,000 in merit scholarship money and five full free rides and about four different awards um, from different organizations and local scholarships just about the person that she's been. So her senior year was very light, very light but hard because we had to do the college applications, the college essays, the scholarship essays. Y'all, these scholarship scholarship essays is not a joke. They aren't. So, and then you're going against a lot of students. So we had to unteach her how to write. I always tell my kids, when they ask you an essay question and stop saying my name is such and such and such, you got a million people applying for that essay. It has to stand out. It mm-hmm. has to be something that engages your reader. It has to make the reader want to read more into it. Mm-hmm. So her doing college essay writing, um, scholarship essay writing, college essay writing pretty much has consumed her senior year to make sure she got funding to go to school debt-free. I'm all for going to college, but I'm not going to college and graduating in debt. Debt I teach my students that we are born in debt. When you're born, you are born in debt. You get a hospital bill. When you go to college, they want you to get in debt, but they won't give you a loan for a car. You can't get a loan for a house, but you would give me a 200,000 loan to go and get a bachelor's degree education I'm not knocking bachelor's, master's, or doctors, but if anyone is paying attention to the world, bachelor's degrees are almost like high school education right now. Mm-hmm. Half of the jobs do not want you to even have a bachelor's degree degree now, depending on the field. In the state of Maryland, Hogan just dropped bachelor's degrees so people can get jobs. So yes. when your kid just wants to go and get a bachelor's degree to get it, let's think about that. Let's hold tight. Do you actually need that bachelor's degree in this day and age? It might be a no. My kid is going for psychology. She wants to work in the FBI. She need it. If that wasn't, if she wasn't going for that, I probably wouldn't send her to school because the world is shifting. Google are letting you take classes with them right now. Amazon is letting you take a class with them and get a certificate. The world is changing. It's shifting. Fee, you this is you need to have the church of fee because you just you preaching now. <laughs> and and I just wanna and and I'm here as the the citation master, right? So everything <laughs> she's saying. So let's I want to backtrack to what you say. So she mentioned because she was throwing out lots of all the intel. So I'm she sorry, said y'all. in Maryland, so our governor Hogan mm-hmm. is a Republican, but um mm-hmm. I, I don't hold that against them because right. what, he, what he has done is made um, government jobs in Maryland um, more like the, of the IT jobs, a mm-hmm. lot of the administrate, administrative, mm-hmm. some clerical jobs do not require a bachelor's degree anymore. And it and never should have. What he's adopted is a system that they're trying to make as a national platform called mm-hmm. Opportunity at Work. So as I told you all before, my doctorate is in community college leadership and higher ed. So okay. this is this is actually a social trend. There is yeah. literally a national trend 
toward making bachelor degrees obsolete. It's not, yes. this is yes, a conspiracy is. theory. And actually the person um, mm-hmm. find opportunity at work is not, not necessarily making bachelor degrees obsolete. That's a little dramatic. I'm not gonna say that. What is evening the playing field because the reality is that 70% of people in the job market do not hold bachelor's degrees, but they are skilled in other ways. There are alternative routes to being skilled, such as a certificate. And that's what what you mentioned is that Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people are seeing these certificate programs in diversity, equity, inclusion, Mm -hmm. IT, because Mm -hmm. those are the things when you have to get a certificate, you are demonstrating that you have updated um, skill set. A mm-hmm. bachelor's degree doesn't necessarily indicate yes, or translate into a skill set, but a certificate, and typically certificates have a, a limit of time. You need to update them. They need to be renewed. And mm-hmm. that gives a, an employer the opportunity to see what your up-to-date skill set is. And so all of these things are so important. And I so appreciate you bringing this up because a lot of times when we think of a child not being on a college pathway, it's um, it's you're thinking vocational. I actually was, I was a Votech kid who was on a college okay. pathway. I took electronics <laughs> back in the day in the nineties, right? Um, my mother wanted me to just be well-rounded. So that if there was anything that I wanted to do, I could do it. And okay, what I took, okay. the program that I took now will be considered more of a, like a computer kind of yeah. software or engineer kind of vocation, like the person that okay. fixed, like the IT person. Okay. Um, but I say that to say that how you are um, raising your son where he can stay up and he can teach himself and he's engaging in self-directed learning, he's watching those videos, that is the type of behavior that many of our Generation Z children, um, that, that skill set where it's self-directed learning. And uh-huh. that is the space that the workforce is, is going to have to make for these uh-huh. types of learners who, are, who want the information now. It's not necessarily I'm going to spend four years on this because right. in the next six months, I may be off to the next thing. Okay. So okay. I want to, um, I, I want to, it's 446. I would like for folks to begin putting in the chat questions that you have for fee and, and fee and me, right? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, but I want to just give some, um, some tips, understanding of your child's learning style, strengths, and interests. And these are, this is kind of reiterating some of the things that fee has already shared, um, some things to ask and to, to be able to assess and definitely for, for, um, those high school years, but you could even start having these conversations or making these observations during their middle school years. Does your child tend to, um, tend to, to respond to assigned tasks in a timely fashion? Does your child engage in learning as a listener, a reader, a conversationalist, a memorizer, a writer, or a feeler? All of these things matter because it, it, um, it gives you insight as to how they receive information, but also when you give them space on how to share information, you get an idea of how they, um, they are as a learner. How does your child interact with other learners in a group setting? How well does your child interact with others when you're not around? Um, I love how Fee talked about how she she realized that she had to be around her. <laughs> Some of the kids needed her to be there. That's something that I talked about in my okay. coffee talk, um, homeschooling the only child, is that because my daughter liked doing isolated um, 
not isolated, but like to do reading and writing, which are very mm -hmm. solitary activities. I thought she'd be cool homeschooling and basically be self-directed, but no, she needed mm -hmm. me around, especially for math, mm -hmm. or even when, when doing assignments that required writing. Um, also, are the subjects that your child has openly shared ones that they enjoy most of all, what are they? How does your child perform when given opportunities um, to be self-directed? And how does your child handle responsibilities? Yeah. All of these things are um, you gaining an, an understanding of their style, their, their learning style, their strengths and their interests. So for the question in the chat, in terms of they, I don't know if they want <laughs> if they want to do college. You may not know if they want to do college, um, but you know what their learning style, what their strengths and interests are, and those are the things that you can support. Because the reality is, is that what what they may be preparing or building a skill set in today, there may not be a created learning opportunity for them right. yet. That might happen four years from now. But yep. what you want to do is give them space to at least build a skill set. It's an excellent book by um, Malcolm Gladwell okay. called Outliers, which I recommend because um, what he does is break down, you know, they're amazing athletes, you know, entrepreneurs, Bill Gates, all these people who, who seem to have this astounding success in whatever their area uh -huh. of interest is. But what he indicates in his book is that it wasn't just innate talent that these people have. It was about the opportunities that were given to them. Um, Absolutely. Everything from how early access they had to um, like Bill Gates, he didn't just study computers, but he was given access. I, I don't know if it was IBM, but to be in that space and to do what Fee's son um, is doing, staying up late, um, <laughs> you know, all night if necessary to be able to work out problems and to experiment. What are those opportunities and those things that you put in your in your child's learning experience where they don't have any restrictions um, with time or space and you are just giving them free reign to build skill sets and mm -hmm. to be learning driven or interest driven. Um, I also wanted to just say that in my research, um, the children that I interviewed, identified um, these five things in particular that they felt homeschooling helped them um, build mm -hmm. skills in. They felt that homeschooling um, impacted their ability to have cultural identity and awareness. And for the very reasons of what Fee, Fee talked about, um, being able to have those conversations around self-identity, also bringing into um, their awareness things specific to being black. So when we talk about cultural identity um, as a black person, but we know that culture can also be our is is our experiences. So for many, it's that a religious experience, or it can even be um, just an, like we're a homeschooling community. We, we are a culture, right? So having a, a, a cultural awareness and a connection to a culture. Um, also, they felt that homeschooling impacted their ability to effectively communicate and um, advocate for themselves while in college. They also felt that homeschooling allowed them um, to complete or help them learn how to complete coursework in a timely fashion, meet deadlines, um, which you know speaks to time management. And then also what we've been talking about, having self-awareness of what their academic strengths and interests are. And they attribute every single young person, I interviewed eight young people and every single one of them um, 
called their their mother was their influencer when it came to these experiences and they they had different areas that their mother helped them with um being that educational curator being that math coach or that cultural competency coach or that time manager or that person that gave them early access to college help them with a college mindset or help them or had expectations regarding their writing so it's important for us as mothers when typically um mothers are the primary um yes homeschooling parent but we learned uh -huh. from from jason esther's presentation before this one fathers do it as well but mothers are more likely to be the ones to consistently yes. um, handle that responsibility so it's important for you to know the uh -huh. impact that your influence has all right so i just wanted to give that context before we look at the uh -huh. questions that folks have um what are there what does social interaction with other kids especially the nine-year-old um have outside of the home fee so is it my nine what does social is it my nine year old or yours i don't have a nine-year-old okay. i have one <laughs> so, so um so for my nine-year-old what i do is i allow her to pick something that she loves and for her it's ballet so ballet brings her that sense of peace the second thing she loves to do is cheer so she's such a beautiful ballet dancer. Ballet is her heart. It just brings out a different child, the music, the rhythm. She loves the piano playing. She loves jazz. It, it completes her. Then she gets to mingle and social with the girls in the classroom. Ballet is such a strict sport. It's not a sport, but ballet is strict. Yes. So it's less talking. So where she gets her social, social girlfriend vibe from is cheer. Because in cheer, in a cheer world, everything is just a vibe-ish. So you do the sleepovers and you do the parties and you do A, B, C, and D. And that's what gives her, my nine-year-old, her balance in the social world. That's a great response. Okay. There's another question here um, from Adioli. Yes, the world is changing. Do you think about issues like climate change or increasing social unrest and how to prepare children who will come of age in a very different time than what we have going on currently? Yes, the world is changing and I'm actually happy and sad for my nine and seven year old because I don't know where the change is going to go. Mm. So currently right now I'm trying to look into 15 or 20 years and I know it's crazy, but if we follow the algorithms that's going on with the universe and the world, we can get there. Uh, the, the climate change or increasing the social unrest, it's hard to predict. So I'm riding away with you. I'm actually writing it and filling it out. So we have younger kids. Mm -hmm. You got the older kids who are high schoolers, but I think it's really going to affect our younger children. That's probably like 10 and below, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to be a different, a very different world. So what we are doing right now, I honestly think in eight years, we're going to be having a different conversation when we actually have this call. Mm -hmm. I can see it shifting that much, but which direction? I don't know yet, y'all. I'm still unsure. Yeah, I know Hopefully that the answer that I, I, I think for myself, um, you know, and my daughter now will be she's an adult, she's 18. But I know that what I really what was really hard for me when I'm homeschooling her for high school was just to encourage her to be observant um, okay. to the trends to the things that are happening out in the world to to be concerned about it and to see the connections between the micro and the macro so what's happening on the larger world scale how does that impact us 
in our communities? How does that impact our home? Um, and really, I, I would make a lot of comparison between the ecosystem, you know, because she was big with plants and animals, yes. loves yes. plants and yes. animals, <laughs> making yes. that connection to our world and, and how those small things make an impact. And I, I have to say that that's probably been the hardest thing um, because this world is so different than what we grew up in, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I consider myself very tech savvy. Um, and I, I love technology. I love learning. I will always be a learner. But I also come from a period of time where I had time away from this digital world. And I'm noticing that the children who are raised in this digital world, their minds are not necessarily attuned to a slower pace and to um, the ability to make to, to pay attention to all of it because it's always it's so much happening and so um it's just a it's a lot to get my daughter to focus on things into that because that's critical thinking and make yes. those connections between what's happening so i i just think generationally i think you know i'm i taught college for 10 years and i and that was a challenge in the classroom for students that came to me. And so I would do a lot of activities. Um, am I frozen? Not now, but you are. Okay. <laughs> I did a lot, a lot of activities in my classroom with these students, knowing that that's not a skill set that they've built. And okay. it was very hard, but it, it's possible to get them to be more observant to what's happening in the world around them. Okay. Um, someone else has a question. Any suggestions on helping a student that doesn't like to write to be successful in essay writing for scholarships? Yes, so I, I think I typed the message. So I was, I'm glad we're hitting on it. So it's it's cute and it's funny. And I think I put to uh, go ahead and send them to my class so I can kind of assess them. But let's find what that student likes to read. If they read comic books, then we're gonna write out essays about a comic book and it can be done. If they like love novels, we can write out essays about love novels. You have to find what it is that they like. Everyone likes to read. It's just what you like to read is the key term. So once you figure out what they like to read, then we cater to, oh, I'm sorry, guys. So my son bought you guys popcorn. Please let me announce this. I'm so, thank you. So he's sitting here smiling and he made popcorn for everyone. So oh, sweetie. <laughs> this is a seven-year-old. They say thank you, Tayan. Um, so they laughing at you, buddy. They smiling. So she um I realized that all students like to write, y'all. It's just what they want to write about. And sometimes we don't want to hear what they want to write about. They say thank you, buddy. One of my students wrote about death all the time. No one wants to hear that, but actually he won great essays because what he was speaking about was pain that was coming from within him. And that's why he wrote about it so much. So when people say their kid don't like to write, no, the question is, what do they like to write about? And And we can find that out. Bless you for, you know, for (laughs) even creating a space for him to feel comfortable to write about that instead of making him feel weird, weird, or that it be inappropriate. And for you to help him, Yes. Translate that into something where it's about meaning. And really, when you talk about death, you have to talk about birth, right? You do. You do. It it was painful to read. And as you read it, I started asking deeper questions. And that's what he's been around. Yeah. He's been around death. So this is what he feels. This is who he is. He won great scholarships awards. Wow. Because we found a way to word it to where it didn't frighten the audience. Right, right. So it's, it's it can be done to answer your question, but we just need to find out what they want to write about. 
great response. And so we are actually at the end of our hour. I can't believe it went by so fast, Felicity. We got to do this again, <laughs> my sister. No problem. We got to do this again, but great, great talk. Um, you And please um, visit Felicity's Marketplace in the teaching web, um, yes. teaching site. If you have any um, questions or any more comments that you want to le leave for her. Um, also, Felicity, I'll, I'll ask if you haven't done it already for you to, I think you'd already put your information in the marketplace um, for okay. people to um, reach your website. But if there's anything else that you'd like to share with folks, if you can put it in the marketplace. So the people who are watching this after it becomes a recording and they don't get a chance to talk to you live, they can go to your marketplace to ask, ask questions. Can um, I say one thing before we go? Sure. To the, the gentleman that asked about the video, be careful with videos. So you videos is 2020. Don't, if I know someone said that they're doing videos for uh, scholarships now, they are. But if your kid is gonna get in front of a computer and say, hi, so my name is Felicity and I wanna be an architect because I need money and I need help paying for school. That's not gonna work. <laughs> so just be cautious with the video admissions. Don't push it. Because these kids are sending very creative videos mm -hmm. that's like telling a story. So just be right. cautious with the videos, guys. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good my daughter actually got commissioned to do a short film for the Kennedy Center. And See? you're right. They're looking at it. It's it's creativity. It's, it's an expert ex yes. experimental art piece. Yes. It's very eclectic. Um, yes. So you're exactly right. Um, so yeah, so I actually have, I think I have a marketplace as well, student media online. Um, I have, um, I've worked with homeschooling parents, but I also, um, I, I was a, a college administrator. So a lot of this stuff um, that I know is just from working in colleges and helping Kari, my daughter, get, um, get to college. But I would love if you have any questions to um, ask me, but you will see me. You know you're going to see me tomorrow. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. See you tomorrow. And thank you for being part of the third annual Black Family Homeschool Educators <laughs> and Scholars Virtual Teaching. Yay! Love it. <laughs> <laughs>